Amen. You can be seated. The song we just sang says, I'll bring you more than a song. For a song in itself is not what you have required. You search much deeper within through the way things appear, and you are looking into my heart. Uh, thank you, uh, Keaton. Thank you, uh, worship team, for leading us this morning. That um, It is about us and our hearts, that we're coming back to the heart of worship, and it's all about Jesus. Uh, thankful to be here with you all this morning. My name is Grant, one of the pastors here. Um, last week, Todd opened us up with our series called Kingdom Heroes uh, that will take us through Hebrews chapter 11. And as we go through here, it's like you're coming up to a hall of fame. Uh, it's referred to as the Hall of Faith. And as we walk into a Hall of Fame, you begin to see statues. You begin to see memorabilia on the walls. You begin to see all these images of these heroes, of these people we look up to and, and admire. And as soon as we walk into the Hall of Faith, the very first statue we come up to is the statue of a man named Abel. A man named Abel. By faith, Abel worshipped. By faith, Abel worshipped. Now you may be asking, what is worship? For some of you, maybe you have been a part of a worship service your entire life. I, I try to use this phrase, knee high on a grasshopper. Anybody know if that's a phrase or not? Anyway, I used it. Okay, that's a phrase. I used it in the first service. Um, and so you may have been worshiping for a long time and have this understanding. For some of you, it may be new. You're still figuring it out, trying to learn what it is or what it means to worship. Uh, on Sunday mornings, we call this our worship gathering. It's a time of week corporately um, come together. We, as the body of Christ, come together to lift high the name of Jesus. But worship can be done by reading scripture. It can be done uh, by uh, singing, by praising, um, uh, communion, uh, putting the word of God into practice, by serving others. It's not limited to one act. It is also not limited to one time, one hour a week on Sunday mornings. Our worship is bigger and greater than that. Here at Holland Chapel, we work uh, to provide a number of ways for you to worship, for you to give, for you to uh, learn and study the Word of God, to serve, to put those things into practice. And there's a number of things and, and uh, times throughout the week that you can do that. But it does not take place only inside these walls. It's just a building that we are to take this outside. It does not stay here. That we worship every hour of every day. Um, Hebrews chapter 11, it'll be up on the screen. Uh, you can turn there with me. Hebrews chapter uh, 11. Hebrews is going to be there towards the latter part uh, of the book of the Bible there towards the end. It's what we've been going into as we look at our heroes of the faith and learn about Abel. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4. It's up on the screen. I invite you to use whatever copy of God's word you use. And if you're watching online, uh, join in with us as well. Verse 4. It was by faith that Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. Abel's offering gave evidence that he was a righteous man, and God showed his approval of his gifts. And although Abel was long dead, he still speaks to us by his example of faith. Now, Abel was the second person born ever in history. Uh, first was his older brother Cain. Uh, their parents were Adam and Eve. And so back then you weren't getting a whole lot of social media likes. 
And if you were, uh, it was only mom and dad who liked your photos. Um, and so that's what uh, Cain and Abel, uh, uh, who, who they were. Um, so they were the first two born on earth. We see scriptures made, uh, excuse me, we see references made of them in scripture, throughout scripture. Uh, we see Abel was mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11, which we just read, Hebrews chapter 12. Also Matthew 23 refers to him as righteous. We see references made to Cain. Referenced in Jude chapter 11, it says, Woe to them, for they have gone the way of Cain. And in 1 John chapter 3, verse 12, says, We must not be like Cain. And so we look at this example of someone who we, who we are to follow named Abel. And then we see his brother Cain as someone who we are not to go the way of. And while we are focusing on Abel this morning, you can't learn about Abel without learning about Cain. And so we're going to be looking at both of these brothers this morning. Right, go ahead and turn to Genesis chapter 4. That's where we see their story. That's where we will be at this morning. Genesis chapter 4, very first book of the Bible. Uh, Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve are on the scene. They disobey God. They sin against God. And they are thrown out of the Garden of Eden. They are banished. And then we come up to Genesis chapter 4. We'll start in verse 2. In verse 1, we hear that uh, Adam and Eve give birth to Cain. Cain is the firstborn. And then we see here in verse 2, Genesis chapter 4. Later she gave birth to his brother and named him Abel. When they grew up, Abel became a shepherd while Cain cultivated the ground. When it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift, the best portions of the firstborn lambs from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. This made Cain very angry, and he looked dejected. The Bible does not go into specifically saying why God rejected Cain's sacrifice, but reading scripture, we can uh, gain some understanding as to what was the reasoning behind it, though. Um, it may have been uh, perhaps that Abel showed up with Chick-fil-A and Cain showed up with Burger King, and we know which one is far better. Um, but more likely, it had something to do with their attitude. The attitude just may have simply been improper, or perhaps his offering was not up to God's standards, as most Burger King sandwiches are not. Proverbs 21:27 says, The sacrifice of the wicked is detestable. How much more so when brought with the evil intent? But what we do know from this is that Abel's sacrifice, Abel's offering was more acceptable than Cain's. And Abel's offering gives evidence to his faithfulness that he was a righteous man. Uh, both brothers uh, have grown up. They are of age. And so we see that Abel is um, uh, the individual that tends the flocks, tends the animals. Cain goes into crops. And so they both show up when it comes time for the harvest, when it comes time of the firstborns to be born. And they both come and present their offering to God. And so Abel naturally gives the best of what he has. Cain gives some of what he has. Both give an offering, but there is that difference there, though. That Cain gives some of his crops as a gift. And we see Abel gives the firstborn from his flocks. Now the firstborn would have been the best. Would have been the best selection that he had to give. And of the best of the flock, he also gives the best portions of those. 
And those would have been his best that he could give to God. The best portions of the firstborn lambs of the flock. Cain gives some, but Abel gives his best. And so from Abel's life, we learn this. Our first point is that we should worship with your best. Worship with your best. When we look at Cain and Abel's gifts, uh, they, they both don't pull up with crops. They, they both don't pull up with, with flocks. They each have their own thing that they're pulling from. And you could say, well, maybe this is comparing uh, apples to oranges, but that's not what we're doing here. The competition isn't to see who had the best cut meat or who had the freshest vegetables. We're comparing apples to apples here because it's not about the type of gift that is given. It's about the type of heart behind the gift that is given. And that's what God is looking at here. God looks at Cain and Abel's sacrifice and says it's not about the food. God does not need the food. He doesn't. But that's the kind of gift they have to offer. And in doing so, God looks at the gift to look at the heart. God does not need the food. It was never about him getting his appetite fulfilled. He's looking at the heart. And we look at Cain's quality of sacrifice and it simply reveals the insincerity of his worship. It's insincere. He's not doing it with his best. And God counts it as faithfulness to Abel in his worship. Worship with your best. Worship with your best. Remember Abel, when it came time to worship God, he faithfully gave and he gave his best. And even though he is dead, he still speaks. His legacy and his life still speak of his faithfulness. Let's look at Cain. Cain just was not a good dude. Never known a uh, WWE wrestler by the name of Abel, right? Right, Jackie Moore? Cain, good wrestler name right there. Uh, Josh, one of our pastors, said, if you do get the brothers mixed up, a good way to remember which is which is to say, Cain wasn't able to be nice. If you do get those mixed up. Cain just wasn't. So he gets upset. They both present an offering, and he gets upset. Verse 6 is going to be up on the screen. We're going to continue reading in Genesis chapter 4. Verse 6, the Lord asked, why are you so angry? The Lord asked Cain, why do you look so dejected? He says, you will be accepted if you do what is right. But if you refuse to do what is right, he says, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you. But you must subdue it and be its master. So God calls out Cain. says, look, it's all over your face. You look angry. You look dejected. Tells him what, he tells him to do what is right. And some of us may need to actually hear that this morning, that we know what we're caught in. We know what we're stuck in, but we're not wanting to let go of it. We need to hear that God is saying, do what is right. And what he's, that's what he was trying to do to Cain, to get a hold of his attention. And so what we learn from Cain is that we should turn from sin. Turn from sin. Worship when done properly, the heart and attitude are in their right place. We have our heart and our attitude in the right place. We should turn from sin. It says sin is crouching, ready to attack. Uh, this can be translated to that it desires to have you. It desires to entangle you. It desires to capture you, to lock you up, ensnare you, and control you. It desires to have you. God is saying, stay away from this. Don't let it get a hold of you. Do not let it control you. Turn from sin. Turn from it. 
God warns him and tells him to watch out. But Cain could not let it go. He couldn't, and it escalates, and it goes even further. Uh, verse number 8 says, One day Cain suggested to his brother. Cain's angry. God called him out on it, told him to stop, or it's going to get even worse. And here we see Cain go and do this. He said, let's go out into the fields. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother. He attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Afterward, the Lord asked Cain, where is your brother? Where is Abel? I don't know, Cain responded. Am I my brother's guardian? And right here, I can't help but think in my head just a kind of uh, snarkiness or attitude here that Cain may have had. It's like God walks up and says, hey, where's your brother? Where's Abel? And Cain, almost like a teenager, says, well, (laughs) I don't know. Am I my brother's guardian? Cain responded, how am I supposed to keep up with him? And I just want to think that God just wanted to backhand him so hard on the back of the head, so hard that, that his grandmother felt it, except Cain didn't have a grandmother. Verse 10, but the Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you're cursed and banished from the ground, which has swallowed your brother's blood. From Cain's life, we learned that we should turn from sin. Some of you guys are still stuck in sin. Some of you guys are still, uh, still holding on to it. Not able to give God your best. Not able to give God your all because you are stuck in sin. And we should turn and repent of our sin. Turn away. Put an end to it. Let it go. Let it go. Adam's sin caused the ground to be cursed. Now Cain was cursed and banished from the land he had been cultivating. And he would suffer a land of wandering. He would suffer in a land of wandering. He was not giving his all in worship. He was not giving his first fruits. He was not giving his very best. And he let anger get a foothold. And he let his sin grow. Uh, Tony Evans writes this. He says that to go the way of Cain means to give God your leftovers. It involves showing up but not sacrificing. It leads to emotional turmoil, poor choices, and wandering around apart from God's presence. Jude 11 says, stay clear. It says, woe to them, for they have gone the way of Cain. Stay away. Don't follow Cain's path. Turn from sin. Give your best in worship. When it comes to our worship, we sometimes can give God our leftovers. We sometimes present something to God that's fake. I was once with somebody um, to go and uh, have lunch, and the, this guy ordered uh, chickenless chicken. It ain't chicken. It doesn't walk like a chicken. It doesn't balk like a chicken. It ain't chicken. And sometimes some of us show up to give God worshipless worship. It's not worship. Worship with your best and turn from sin. And you may be thinking, well, I don't have a flock or a garden. Uh, If you do happen to have a flock of animals, I'd love to have a conversation with you after this morning's worship gathering. But what does offering God your first and best look like? What does it look like? How do we do that today? 
We spoke earlier about worshiping God with our best. That means giving God our, the best with our time, our energy, our talents, our treasures, our gifts, our attitudes, our money, our thoughts, our praise, our attention. Ask yourself if you're giving God the time, talents, and treasures that he seeks from you. Are you doing that? What are you giving God? And what are you allowing him to use? How many hours a week do you devote to your favorite television series? How many hours a week do you devote to God, to worshiping God? What are you doing with the talents he's given you, with the ability to serve others? Keith mentioned how there's people up on the stage that have gifts that lead us in, in song and praise. People that were there watching kids right now that serve in the media up in the balcony. There's so much just to welcome you guys. There's so many areas to be serving and giving back here at HC. One of those things is Celebrate Recovery. It's, it's on your Connect card. Celebrate Recovery, I love this ministry because it's not just for people who um, are just going through specific addictions. It's for anybody and, every, and everybody going through hurts, hangups, and habits. And it's saying, look, you're going through some tough stuff. Jesus is the answer. This ministry is needing help with people to help out with child care, with people to help out in their hospitality. They'd love to have you serve. Uh, re re reality Weekend's coming up for our students. We're needing some homes, some people to open up their homes and just love on some students over the weekend and serve as host. HC Kids is always in need of some great volunteers, some great people to serve. But how are you using your gifts and talents? Are you giving God your best? Or are you giving God just some? Uh, today is uh, Super Bowl Sunday. Um, tomorrow is Valentine's Day. I'll say it again. Uh, tomorrow is Valentine's Day for those that need the reminder. Uh, be sure you are aware of that. Uh, my four-year-old daughter, um, she loves watching um, princess movies and uh, the princes and all those movies they always have the princess has to kiss the prince or something like that. It always goes in there. Uh, my uh, wife's um, uh, dad, he would always say, oh, he bit her. He bit her. Look out. Uh, just to try to you know, cover their eyes. Don't let them see that and say, yeah, yeah, he, he bit her. Um, but in her head, her four-year-old head, when she sees that, she says, oh, oh, they're getting married. Oh, they kissed. She's marrying him. That's what takes place there. And so in her head, in marriage and to marry somebody, all that takes place is just a kiss, just a, a simple show of affection that we see in marriages. But to her, that's the whole shebang right there. <laughs> but how crazy would we be to think that marriage is nothing but that right there? Like that doesn't tell the sacrifices that go into it. The love, the forgiveness, the constantly giving of yourself to make that marriage work. Be what God designed. Put all those sacrifices into it. How crazy would it be if we were to offer up so little of ourselves in a marriage, sacrifice so little as a, just a kiss, and give so little as just that, and yet expect a marriage to be great and successful? And yet it's kind of like how we worship God, that we go up and just offer so little and say that's our worship. No sacrifice, but I'm going to show up for a little bit. Our worship needs to be acceptable to God. It needs to be what he 
requires from us. And we often, we often bring to God our leftover time, our leftover energy, our left, leftover efforts, our leftover thoughts, and just throw him the scraps that we have left. Romans 12, verse 1 through 2 is going to be up on the screen. It talks about how we are to worship, how we are to respond. It says, and so, dear brothers, Paul writing this, and sisters, I plead with you. Paul saying, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that he will find acceptable. You see, Cain and Abel were bringing their sacrifices. And you see throughout the Old Testament that sacrifices were made, blood was shed. But when Jesus came, he shed his blood that once and for all, no other sacrifices needed, needed to be made like the shedding of blood that we see in the Old Testament. Except Jesus pays the price for all of our sins to be in right standing with God. Jesus pays the price. And in return... We're to live our lives as a living sacrifice, that I live for him day after day after day after day. And church, when you live your life for Christ, people see it. You're sacrificing your life. You're giving up your life for Jesus. And people see your life change. They see you living for Jesus. And other people's lives can be changed because of you living out the gospel as Christ has called us to. It says this, it says the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior, verse 2, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think, Cain. He saw that you were angry. He said, don't do it. Transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing, and perfect. We should worship with our best. We should turn from sin. Worship with your all. Everything you got, all you got. We are to worship as a living sacrifice. Take some time to be honest with yourself and just simply ask God, what is it that you are holding back? What is it that is made you weak in trusting him. Ask him to show you what you need to work on and ask him to help you, to strengthen you. What are you struggling with letting go of and offering to God? Uh, R.C. Sproul says this. It's going to be up on the screen, a quote from him. It is the pleasing of God that is at the heart of worship. At the heart of worship is pleasing God. Last week we talked about how to grow your faith, what steps you can take to be uh, an individual of faith. Um, last week we said loving God's word is one way. Learning about heroes and, ex and exercising our faith, our faith muscles, what we talked about last week. And so one of these kingdom heroes is pretty much we're looking at a Christ uh, Christian biography. He's going to be a, a man, uh, his photo will be up on the screen, William Borden. William Borden was born in Chicago into a very wealthy fam uh, family. The Borden Dairy Company, you may be familiar with it, all sorts of dairy products and uh, condensed milk. At the age of 16, his parents gave him a gift. He turned 16, and they gave him the gift of being able to take a trip around the world. 
He visited numerous countries, and it was on this trip that he saw entire people groups without the gospel. He came across people group after people group without the gospel. And when he returned to the States in 1905, his heart and labor went out in a very practical way to the people of Chicago, to the widows, to the orphans, those less fortunate. He comes back home to the city of Chicago and ministers to the people there. In 1905, he goes off to Yale University, and he pours into other college men there, sharing Christ with them. When he graduated, he was already a millionaire because of his inheritance, and he had a world of possibilities awaiting him. But he could never forget what he saw on that trip around the world. He pursued being a missionary and attended seminary after that. And there was a people group that stuck out to him. It was a group of Muslims that he had a heart for. They had no understanding of Jesus. And this group was the one that stuck out to him, and they spoke Arabic. And so in order to learn how to speak Arabic, he moved to Cairo and began taking classes about how to speak Arabic. And shortly after being there, he ended up falling ill with spinal meningitis. And about 19 days later, he passed away. Never made it to China. The news of Borden's death uh, made it back to his family, made it back to the U.S., uh, was uh, printed in a lot of papers all over the country. And in his will, he had left a large sum of his inheritance for Christian causes, for advancing the gospel. And in his Bible, they found six words written. These six words that they believed in his time of going around the world, in his time of uh, ministering to people in Chicago, of wanting to become a missionary, of going to seminary, that he wrote down these six words in his Bible. No reserves, no retreats, and no regrets. Geraldine Taylor would go on to write a bi uh, biography about him saying this. Borden not only gave his wealth, but himself. He gave himself in a way so joyous and natural that it seemed a privilege rather than a sacrifice. He lived his life as a sacrifice for Jesus. He lived it. He lived with no reserves, no retreats, and no regrets. We need to worship with our best. We need to turn from sin. Worship with our all. Look, you uh, probably don't own a dairy company. Uh, maybe you've never been on a trip around the world. There may not be some group of Muslims that your heart is set on, but I believe God has placed people in your lives. There are people around you who need Jesus. You have the opportunity to live your life for him. To live your life as a living sacrifice with no reserves, no retreats, and no regrets. You can make a difference. In a moment, I'm going to invite you all to stand. We're going to end the same way how Keaton led us into this message, which is by singing out. Look, some of you guys may be like chickenless chicken right now. And I get it. Sometimes it's... It's hard for us to, to give God our all. But when we think about all that God has done for us, how can we give God 
any less than our all. We're going to be able to sing that chorus two more times. I invite you to sing it, shout it, pray it, write it down, memorize it, speak it. Maybe you need to text it to somebody to hold you accountable. But for us, church, to live it out, that we would worship with our hearts and give everything that we have because of what God has done for us. I invite you all to stand. I'm going to read a verse from this song, and then I'm not going to be able to sound as good as Keaton, but I invite you all to lift up your voices, that we would sing this, that we would be a church of people whose heart is after God, and we give our all. The verse says, I'll bring you more than a song, for a song in itself is not what you have required. You search much deeper within through the way things appear. You're looking into my heart. It's not about the food. It's about the heart. If you'll join me in singing this. I'm coming back to the heart of worship. And it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it. It's all about you. All about you, Jesus. And I'm coming back to you. 